Yeah, if I could get those TPS reports ASAP, that'd be great. <laughs> Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And today we are talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, episodes 25 and 26. Yeah, this is the, the very end of the, the second third of part four here. And we start off right away with meeting a whole bunch of brand new characters. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a come down from what really is a four-parter under two names. Yeah. Uh, and our second is more of a, sort of a, a palate-cleansing, goofy episode uh, that is, I mean, the inciting incident is tied to the greater plot, but I, I don't think uh, our titular character is coming back in, in any significant <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before we begin... I did some research. Okay, I'm curious what this research is. Zach Aguilar, the uh, uh, English voice of Koichi, right. uh, had a Q&A recently, and these are the very important notes I took. Number okay. one, <laughs> he is also the voice of the Happy Honda Dealer commercials. Oh, all right. Number two, he is also the voice of Jay the Squats Guy in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And number three, when he plays Smash, he mains Jigglypuff. Mm. I can imagine Koichi playing Jigglypuff, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, but he plays Byleth. Yes, but he plays Jigglypuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings us to episode 25, Adam Hart Father. We start off right away with meeting a couple new characters here. We start off with uh, a woman... Probably like mm-hmm. in her early 30s, just sitting on her bed in her home, thinking to herself, monologuing about her unhappy marriage, which means yeah. she is dead within five minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she's petting this, her cat. It's like, oh, there, she's remembering this guy in high school who was every, all the girls found attractive, but she was the one who ended up dating this guy and they were all jealous and all this stuff. And she's very, you know, like morose just tired sounding while she's thinking about this this her how she met her husband and she goes out uh leaves her bedroom and her son has come home from school and he also looks very depressed and he just kind of mumbles to himself and doesn't even acknowledge his mom saying hi to him uh the son is named hayato and he's mumbling to himself about something going three times faster this is a fucking gundam reference that's hayato kobayashi (laughs) talking about the red comet himself shara asnable i swear to you (laughs) So, yeah, she she's preparing for her husband to come home from work soon. Husband she fucking hates. Yeah, he he's not abusive. He's not a drunk or anything, but their marriage is so boring. All he does is, like, work a very average job and make just enough money. He comes home. He eats. Or, or rather, he's just like, cook me a meal. Draw me a bath. I'm going to bed. Completely loveless, boring mm-hmm. marriage. I'm, I'm just, I'm so tense because, like... <laughs> A, a woman complaining about her, her loveless relationship in, in Diamond is Unbreakable is like smoking pot at, at Camp Crystal Lake. You are dead. You are a dead yeah. person. Th- there's a handful of things that are just immediately, immediate, like you're dying flags in JoJo. And this is a big one for this season. Uh, and when she's thinking about her loveless marriage, we see from a first person perspective, her husband coming home, mm-hmm. and he gets up to the front door and he puts a key in. And it's the wrong key. He puts another key, wrong key, and then he eventually finds the ri- the correct key for the door and, and opens it. So obviously it's Kira. He doesn't know which yeah. key because he's never been to this house before, right? Come on. We know where this is going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
as including like when he comes home and and you know they exchange pleasantries it's kira's voice like cinderella doesn't mm-hmm. swap a, a vocal cords <laughs> yeah i either they got a similar voice on top of the similar height and build and and weight and all that shit or their marriage is just that loveless that she doesn't even remember her husband's voice anymore or maybe he's so bland that you know that you just can't remember it this goes even beyond loveless because uh, uh she's like oh yeah i i uh, figured out dinner why don't you go take a look and there's there's something hidden beneath like this fine white table napkin and uh yeah. the, this unnamed man picks it up to reveal dramatically like freezer a uh, uh, microwave ramen <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she she's like smirking to herself just thinking like she just wants to piss her husband off to get any type of emotions out of him really if your marriage has deteriorated to the point that you're just like trying to pick fights through flamboyant passive aggression just go <laughs> just pack a bag and leave it's done yeah don't even do the paperwork just walk out the door because neither person in this marriage cares enough to even do the paperwork <laughs> Just go. Just get on a boat and leave the country. You're done. You know, he, this guy pulls off the cloth and ta-da, it's ramen. And he just walks away and then he starts cooking a nice home-cooked meal. Mm-hmm, he, he's mm-hmm. chopping vegetables up. He, he's got like a stir fry going and all this stuff. Turns on the radio because, of course, Kira is the number one fan of Moriocho Radio. <laughs> yes, he loves it. And so Kai Harada pops up on the, the station again on the radio and she's immediately baffled because her husband has never once cooked. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what the fuck is this? What is this? What the fuck? This motherfucker can crack three eggs in one hand perfectly. <laughs> is he trying to pick a fight with me? I don't. I, uh... What is this? Passive aggressive too? Ah. So meanwhile, across town, the crew is in Kira's abandoned home, his his ancestral home. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say the crew, I mean our three uh, high school bros and Jotaro, uh, the fearsome foursome going around trying to uh, poke <laughs> through the nooks and crannies, uh, trying to find anything that would lead them to figure out, you know, his habits to, to try and peg this man with a brand new face and name. Yeah. Jotaro starts going through drawers and stuff and we we see a whole bunch of things that you know give you a further insight into what the type of guy kira is aside from like there, there's a photo album mm-hmm. with pictures of kira from like 1974 when he's a little kid and in every polaroid he has the same neutral expression he's always off to the side with a bunch of people who are much happier looking than him <laughs> he has a bunch of trophies and they're all third place because he doesn't want to stand out <laughs> He wants to do good, but not too good. Jotaro gets so much from this uh, uh, photo album, though, like including his birthday, January 30th, 1966. Yep. He shares that birthday with Frank and, with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Dick Cheney, yeah. and Wilmer Valderrama. Huh, okay. D- different years for all four of them, of course. But, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this does mean uh, Yoshikage Kira, he's an Aquarius, ladies. Ah. Uh, but, but Jotaro also gets his weight and his fucking blood type from this childhood photo <laughs> album. Yeah, yeah. Star Platinum's getting new powers. He thought Starfinger was stupid. <laughs> So so as Jotaro is is going through all this stuff, uh, but specifically just, yeah, the the trophies and this one childhood photo album, he figures out that, man, we're never going to find this guy. He's so, you cannot find someone who's so exceptional at being average. He's too goddamn normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he has no close friends. He's never had a girlfriend or any other type of romantic interests. Like, yeah, he's just a blank slate of a dude. And you ask him, he gets a new girlfriend every five or six days. <laughs> yeah. Also in that photo album, you do get to see a picture of his parents as well, uh, both who are who have passed away. Mm-hmm. They were uh, both uh, unusually old to become first-time parents. He's an only child, and yes, yep. he, he, uh, both of his parents passed early in his life because because uh, they had him in like their forties or fifties, I think. Yeah, Josuke is saying like, "Hey, I found some other stuff on the other side of the room. I'm not entirely sure what it is." And so he pulls open this drawer full of bottles that have have corks on the top of them and on top of the cork is a label and they're all different years like 1985 1986 and he thinks they look like bonito flakes like fish flakes and he so he puts a bunch into his hand and as he's like sniffing them going like these smell fucking terrible jotaro pulls out a journal from that drawer and goes like those are fucking fingernails dude <laughs> and josuke reacts uh, appropriately i'd say yeah it's it's these are years old toenail clippings and fingernail clippings. So he flips out like they he flings them everywhere. He's screaming at how fucking gross it is. <laughs> and just the idea that, yes, Kira keeps records of uh, his, his toenail clippings. He measures them uh, very precisely, uh, very assiduously. And he uses them as sort of a, a bit of personal divination. Yeah. Healthy and a long nail growth tells him that, that he's on the right track. Like he, he uses it as a sort of personal fortune telling. Like if the nails are good, then I am in the right place to go do some serial killing and, and get a new hand friend. Yeah, there, there's a page that they flip to where like his fingernails had grown a huge amount in a single month or something. And he, Kira just wrote down in that in that page, nothing can stop me now. Like, I am in peak form to murder some ladies this month. Uh, and Jotaro compares this to how Jewish businessmen use sunspots to calculate whether their business would be successful. I, did, I didn't cross-reference that one. I don't know if that's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... Th- there's billions of people in the world, and we have tens of thousands of years of history. Like, yeah, maybe. I'm not going to say maybe. anything's not happening. They they look at the like the most recent entries in this book, and Kira's fingernails, just in the month of June, had grown about 20 centimeters, which is almost eight inches. Mm-hmm. His nails aren't growing <laughs> at a normal rate, and like we we've seen hints of this before. When, a couple episodes ago, when Kira is like preparing breakfast for the most recent lady that he killed, he's cutting his fingernails there. Uh, when he's giving a monologue to Shigechi about you know the perfect life he wants to live, there's a close-up of his hands, and you can kind of tell that his fingernails start growing while he's talking. There's also a fingernail trimming scene in the OP, which has yes. got to be unique. Uh, I, I can't imagine there are too many shows where that's true. <laughs> yeah, and it's almost... The, the fingernail getting cut is like a transition from one part of the op to another from a recovery. i mean of course it is of course it is yeah so while they're all reacting to to this uh twisted bit of sick filth uh <laughs> there is a polaroid on the desk labeled bro cam <laughs> i did not notice the name of the camera i don't know what kind of brand name that is but it sounds cool <laughs> finally a camera for men <laughs> 
my gunmetal gray camera. Brocam, the camera for bros, uh, takes a picture out of nowhere and it captures, you know, basically this whole room. It's the, the desk is pushed up into the corner. And in that room, you see uh, Chitaro and you see Josuke and this third little shadow uh, uh, off to the side. Huh. That's interesting. Mm hmm. This Polaroid, as it develops more, yeah, you start to see this figure develop more and more, and Josuke spots it and goes like, what the fuck? And looks at the ca- at the the corner in the actual room where that shadow should be, and there's nothing there. And every time he looks back and forth, the shadow develops more and more until it starts to take the form of a little old man. Just a tiny, tiny old man, a tiny old man we've seen before. This is uh, Kira's father, even older than he was in, you know, the, those young childhood pictures. Obviously, many years have passed. Yeah. But wait a minute, he's and... supposed to be dead. <gasps> well, while they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on with the, the Polaroid, the phone starts ringing, and they're like, nah... <laughs> We're not dealing with that. And then despite the phone still being on the hook, you can hear through the, te- the, the phone, the ghost of Kira's father just screaming at them like, pick up the, the phone. <laughs> I want to talk to you. So yeah, they, they are haunted by a ghost dad. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and while this phone is screaming at them, Josuke responds, are you trying to give us the willies with your spooky ghost energy? <laughs> Which would work. We do know that Josuke is easily given the willies. Yeah. By uh, ghosts and turtles alike. That line just sounds like that one very specific ghost hunting show where they're just taking the piss the whole time. Ghost stories. Is it ghost stories? That's the one? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. There you go. (laughs) It's a very ghost stories thing to say. So then this phone just rockets into Josuke's jaw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The phone does a right cross. Why not? Go for it. Yeah. Kira's dad is saying through the phone, hey, I'm going to kill you. I don't just want you out of the house. I am going to murder anyone who comes in into this house. Mm-hmm. Anyone who comes to investigate his son. Yeah. And that's really a father's love and dedication. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> uh-huh. that's the kind of relationship I'm proud to have with my dad. If, if I start killing people, my dad is going to cover for me. <laughs> <laughs> He'll find a way. <laughs> I don't know if my dad would. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh jotaro is the one holding on to the polaroid and he notices like hey the reason that phone just rocketed off the receiver and hit josuke in the jaw is because i just witnessed the old man in the polaroid pick up the phone and throw it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and so yeah the kira's father is starting to move within the polaroid itself both koichi and okiyasu run into the room going like oh shit is that a ghost well turns out we could punch ghosts with stands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they don't run into the room because uh, while, you know, th- this deduction is being said aloud from inside the room, uh, Jotaro just like waves them away. J- he just lifts a hand like, no, 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 you stay there. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> no, come in Nobody here. fucking moves until I say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's not let anyone get blown up or have a hole punched through, clean through them again, please. So Crazy Diamond just goes like, well, if the old man's in the photo, we'll just kill him by tearing up the photo. Makes perfect sense. So he starts ripping it up. And as he does that, the tears in the photo appear in the same place on both Josuke and Jotaro. Yeah. So their bodies uh, are being torn to, to pieces, uh, uh, falling yeah. apart in shreds. And then Josuke's like, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. He he has a lot of practice putting back putting pictures back together. So so they're fixed up <laughs> right as rain. 
And I want to point out something here. You, you, when that photo gets ripped up, you first see the 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 effects of doing that with a like a close up of like the top third or whatever of Jotaro's head just lifting off of the rest of his head. Yeah, and the expression he's making and the the location of the tear in his face is extremely similar to the illustration of Jotaro's head blowing up in Thoth back huh. in Stardust Crusaders. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah. it's really just a time delay. <laughs> yeah, which I, I thought that was a, a cool detail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, after after uh, repairing the photo, everyone's body parts get stuck back together. <laughs> and now Koichi and Okiyasu looking in from the hall are like, okay, we got to get in on this. It's whatever weird powers this ghost has, it's four on one, let's go. But there's inside the room and there's outside the room and never the twain mm-hmm. shall meet because... <laughs> The doorway is sort of a teleportation portal that kicks you out to the balcony on the other side. Yeah, and Jotaro and Josuke are trapped within this room. There's just an invisible wall that they cannot break through because the the power of Kira's dad, he, he has control over the domain of photos. Mm-hmm. So anything that his power takes a picture of with a camera, everything within the boundaries of the actual photograph is where that person's spirit energy is trapped. So they can't walk out any further than what was in the picture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Koichi and Okiyasu cannot get into the room any more than they can jump into the Polaroid. Those are one and the same thing. Everyone's starting to get a little nervous. Kira's dad has just picked up a knife in the photo, and so now there's a floating knife in the room. And Jotaro says, well... Uh, I can't do shit. Time to die, everybody. I give up. (laughs) This is an instance of Jotaro trying to have a cool one-liner, but he just can't quite do it. (laughs) As usual with him. Instead, all he does is really tick off Uncle Josuke. (laughs) He's like, what What do you mean? This is our lives. I don't care if you can't think of something. You gotta just try shit. God damn it. Yeah, so Crazy Diamond is trying to punch the knife that's rocketing through the air, and it's like a special, a special ghost, like astral projection knife. So his punches are just going clean through it. Mm-hmm. Jotaro was fooling; he's got an idea. He just takes the Polaroid that that was already taken and holds it up very close to the camera, mm-hmm. the bro cam. And takes a picture of it. And now this Brocam's picture is only of what was immediately in front of the lens, the picture of the the old man ghost in the corner of the photo. So this new photo that the old man is in, he's just in it alone. So uh, uh, yes, he has absolute domain over himself and nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. And and after, uh, you know, solving your, your fiendish Polaroid puzzle trap, uh, mm-hmm. he, he engages in a little bit of positive mentorship. He tells Josuke <laughs> to say something cool, and Josuke yes. fails. Yeah, just like his nephew. <laughs> I mean, it's not not cool. It's just really generic. I don't even remember what he said. It's like, oh, that, that's, that's what you're going to do with the set? It's more of a lob than yeah. a spike, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just some. It's just like booyah. That's what you get for messing with us, or something like that. It's just like, well, that's your first try, okay. Yeah, and like when he does it, Josuke clearly looks really awkward. <laughs> like he doesn't know what to do or say, really. So, so now we get our our mid episode title card. It's the hands turn. Hello, the hand. Mm-hmm. And back in the action, Star Platinum just smashes that camera to pieces. Fuck you. Yep. Kira's dad is in this Polaroid all by himself. He can make the Polaroid fly. Mm-hmm. 
He just starts gliding around the the air. But yeah, the camera gets smashed by Star Platinum. And then Jotaro's Stardust Crusaders theme kicks up. Like he's about to do something real badass. But all he does is like he just grabs the Polaroid with Kira's dad in it. And he just like folds it in on itself and (laughs) wraps tape around it. But with this like creaking, crushing uh, sound effect. (laughs) That's like uh, uh, he's trapping uh, this ghost in a vice and squeezing the unlife out of it. (laughs) Yeah. And so after he wraps it, like folds it over and wraps it up in tape, he just pins it to a column with a a, ta- a thumbtack, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and he's trapped. He he's dealt with. But this has given everyone a second wind into the investigation because they figure there's no way that this ghost would would have uh, gone so far, done so much to defend this place if there weren't a a really good clue waiting for them somewhere. Yeah. Koichi and, and Okiasu are in a different part of the, the house, searching through random boxes and crap, and they just keep looking at the, the folded up Polaroid, because Kira's dad is constantly, like, banging on the Polaroid, trying to get out, and he, mm-hmm. he's, like, you know, all muffled sounding, and so Okiyasu is just like, wow, I really wish he would shut up, and just <laughs> grabs, a, like, a dozen more thumbtacks and just puts it all around the edge of the Polaroid. <laughs> And and the ghost is protesting, like, how inhumane it is to be kept there and trying to convince them that, like, he's suffering, including, quote, help me, I can't breathe. Sir, you are a ghost. Get used You're to ghost, it. Dude. You have not breathed for a long time. <laughs> but after he gets all of these, these thumbtacks stuck in him, he starts bluffing, saying, like, aha, thanks to all these thumbtacks, I found a way out, and, like, starts making this weird, like, metallic banging noise from inside. Well, first he first he continues to try this bluff, because it seems to be working on Koichi, saying, I yes. really am dying in here, I swear. Sir, you are a ghost! He's a ghost, dude. You're already dead. We, we don't get this pair enough. I've always been waiting for it, but Okiasu and Koichi alone as a twosome, I think this is the yeah. first time just for this one scene. And you know what? I'm vindicated because this is fun. Yes. Okiyasu prevents uh, Koichi from being duped by like someone tugging uh, on his good boy senses and, and, <laughs> and drive to help, but he is still weak to just like uh, uh, straight up bluffs. Yeah. A, b- a bunch of noises come out of the the Polaroid, making them think that Kira's father has somehow managed to escape. And mm-hmm. so Okuyasu, being a bit of a dummy, grabs it and goes like, oh shit, I think he's escaped. I have to check. And he unfolds the Polaroid, which gives Kira's dad, who's still in there, enough time to throw out like a thread unraveled from his uh, shirt that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. That he can use like a lasso to glide away. He just zips around like Spider-Man on, yeah, one of his sleeve threads. Yeah, and he just slips through cracks in between doors and stuff. While that's happening, Josuke opens up a drawer in a different room and discovers the bow and arrow. Bum, bum, bum. I told you, I told you not to trust those people. The Speedwagon mm-hmm. Foundation is leaking. <laughs> just as Josuke finds that Kira's dad slips through a crack and, again, using his his little lasso, snags just the arrow mm-hmm. and flies away with it. And by fly away, I mean literally... He uses the lasso to rope around the neck of a crow <laughs> and rides it away, rides away into the sunset. 
It's very, very good. So quickly that everyone is, no one has a stand that can, that can reach him already. In this maneuver, he calls the arrow, quote, the arrow that brought forth Killer Queen. Yeah. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. And so as they fly away, lost to wherever this bird is going, uh, (laughs) Jotaro is like, ah, yeah, I had a feeling there might be more than one set. Literally, why, though? Mm -hmm. Why would you have that feeling? (laughs) We, we get a little bit, some Stardust Crusaders here with, with a very short flashback to like Enya mm-hmm. and Dio and Jotaro. He basically says he always wondered how even with the, the bow and arrow that Enya had, how they could have gotten so many stand users so quickly. So the explanation here is that they had more than one set of bow and arrow that they were using to shoot a whole bunch of people all at once in different locations in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so you have to wonder if like the, the cloaked figures going into the Dio meeting at the beginning of Stardust Crusaders, maybe they didn't all have stands. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was their orientation and you all had to line up and get shot with an arrow. <laughs> And then some of you just die. Yeah, Enya, or Enya was dead by then. But yeah, Dio shot a kid, shot Boingo <laughs> right in the <laughs> face. He's like, hey, kid, you like comic books? Did he shoot the baby? No, that baby was born evil. There's, there is such things <laughs> no, as evil right. babies. That's right. Babies can just be born evil. That's true. <laughs> Dio saw a lot of himself in that baby. They were both born evil. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, as... Kira's dad is is flying through the air with his little crow steed. He thinks out loud about how he needs to divert the attention of all these people investigating his son. So he's going to go flying around with this arrow and just start stabbing people with it and try to make as many stand users to, to halt their progress as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He sort of confirms Jotaro's theory that the arrow he now has is the one that Enya had, and therefore the arrow that brought forth the world yep. is the same that brought forth Killer Queen. And I guess the one that yep. wound up in uh, Keicho's hands is one of the, the other arrows that they had between them. <laughs> Yeah. At some point, Kira's dad was in Egypt and he met Enya and got a bow and arrow from her at some point. So he was around during early Stardust Crusaders. Yeah. Like before Enya went to like, okay, fine, I'll do it myself and then got beat up. Seems like it. Yeah. But I, I do appreciate that Pappy Kira here talks about serial murder like anime conventions. It's, it's a very like, I, I don't understand what it is or, or why it's so important to you, son, but I'll support you all the same. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a confused parent who doesn't know what furries are. But my son <laughs> sure does love wearing Tony the Tiger costumes. It's it's expensive, but as long as you do your chores, I think you've earned it. Uh I don't get it. He makes these helmets every year and he makes tons of money. So, I mean, <laughs> it makes money, so it can't be bad. Well, no, I don't look at the art, but I'm, I make sure that he's not. <laughs> and as they fly on off into the distance, the bird poops. Yep. And the bird's poop falls onto the mailbox of the house where Kira is now living. Incredible transition. It, amazing. <laughs> amazing. The last time we saw poop in JoJo's was also at a mailbox in, in Raimi's alley. Yes, that's true. Huh. But yeah, at this at this house, Kira, under the identity of this new guy, is, you know, he was cooking dinner. It looks lovely. He's pouring wine for himself and his wife. 
his wife is just like not buying it. Like there's some type of ulterior motive here that you do this. I've never seen you cook before. Quote, you can't possibly think I'd eat something you slap together. Just get a divorce. Just Jesus Christ, just yeah, get a divorce. Yeah. It could save your life. <laughs> just go. And he doesn't sit down to eat. He immediately goes to the living room to sit to plop down in a chair so that he can start cutting his nails because they're already getting long. Very ominously. <laughs> yeah, yes. One of his hands, its identifying features were swapped with uh, uh, the man whose identity he stole. The other hand is still his original hand restored by Crazy Diamond. Well, they're both still his original hand, I believe, because it's still his body. It's just his face that got switched around. Yeah, but also like his, his fingerprints and shit. Oh, his fingerprints, yeah. Sure. But only on the one hand. Yes, yeah, that that's correct, actually. But it's still all 10 of his nails, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they grow super fast, and it's gross. And this is our first look at Kira's stolen face, actually, and it's mm-hmm. not great. <laughs> Real downgrade, I gotta say. Yeah. There's some episodes here, kind of in this chunk, they were running on a real short schedule or had less budget. And so, and especially because these aren't the Blu-ray versions, there's a lot of random frames that are going to have some really off model looking people in them. But the the face and, and the head of this guy he has swapped faces with, his hair is black and spiky, but the spikes... It's as if he has a very smooth buzz cut with anime spikes glued on top of them, like as a separate layer. Yeah, his spikes got spikes. Yeah. Yeah. So all these spikes have to be drawn in more detail than it was if it were just one cohesive chunk of hair. And whenever he has to do a head turn, oh boy, those spikes are going to get real weird looking. <laughs> but I like... He's still, like, sharp and severe, but I think he's less mm-hmm. handsome. And, yeah, this hair, yeah. Just, it just is just dumb. Uh, <laughs> uh, but as Tolstoy said at the beginning of Anna Karenina, all happy families resemble one another, but each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And I have <laughs> to think he was imagining a fingernail-obsessive uh, a psychopathic serial killer taking on the guise of, of a, a man whose wife does not love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tolstoy really saw this one coming. He did. I'm sure in some in some later part of JoJo I haven't seen yet, Tolstoy will just show up. <laughs> or some villain will heavily quote him and be obsessed with Tolstoy or something. It, it'll happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in several episodes from now, the animators like either get more time or budget or they just figure out a better way to draw his hair because it starts looking less dumb. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm looking forward to yeah. that. In the meantime, the, this uh, uh, false wife does uh, eventually eat the food and she loves it. It's tasty food. It's good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Kira just continues to be very silent. He's just trying to not bring any... He's already making his wife a little suspicious, but like in a way where she kind of likes it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, there's tasty food. Otherwise, there's just going to be microwave ramen. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's being pretty quiet. And and so we go to another scene here where uh, his wife's cat is stuck outside. The the window that they leave open for the cat on the second floor was closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kira had closed it because, again, he doesn't, he doesn't know shit about this family. Well, this is after our second uh, stand title card. Oh, yes. For Adam Hart Father, which is the stand name for Pappy Kira's ghost abilities. Yeah. I guess being a ghost is kind of like having a stand. 
Yeah, this is the one that I've always been confused about. If this is just ghost powers or he has a stand, because you never see a stand from Kira's dad. With this uh, uh, very specialized ability of spirit photography, but in a very different way than, you know, how how Joseph does it, how he uses those words, I could understand thinking it's a stand but in his dialogue when he sees uh, our hero stands come out he says something to the effect of ah you have special powers like my son not like yeah. my son and i or or anything like that yeah i have always thought that these were just ghostly powers he had and he doesn't actually have a stand despite the title card saying he giving him a stand name i don't know does Raimi have a stand ability? Is, is it Pocky fortune telling? Mm. Is that what she can do? <laughs> Maybe the Polaroid that he is inside of is his stand. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Adam Hart father is named for Adam Hart mother, a 23 minute Pink Floyd song. Uh-huh. A suite in six parts. Those parts have their individual titles. Father shout, breast milky. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mother 4, Funky Dung, Mind Your Throats, Please, and Remergence. <laughs> I'm sorry. These are all usernames I've seen in Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> especially the second one. I've seen at least 14 of those, at least. Oh, oh, you're Breast Milky? No, no, no. You you haven't met me. I'm Breast Milky on Cactuar. We, we haven't. <laughs> but Pink Floyd doesn't like that album very much. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they don't play it anymore. Okay, sure. But but yes, uh, the kitty is stuck in a tree. The The kitty is named Mitz or something. Yeah, I think it's Mitz. And so, uh, uh, what's this woman's name? She's got a name. They use her name. She's got a name. It doesn't come up much in this first episode. Let me... I just feel bad to just keep calling her, you know, the lady. Yeah, I'll I'll bring it back. Hayato's mom carries the cat into the bathroom. Is like, what did you oh, do? She has a super. So it's the Kawajiri family. She has a super easy remember name, Shinobu. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, th- this is after she uh, uh, calms down from trying to kill Travis Touchdown all this times. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so Shinobu carries Mitz into the bathroom. Is like, hey, husband, what did you do to my fucking cat? Are we fighting again? Because that's the only thing that gives my life color and meaning. Mm-hmm. And we see Kira's butt. Kira didn't steal a butt from this man. This is his natural nope. Kira butt. Yeah. We never saw Dio's butt. This is new. Kira, Kira's pretty built. And yeah, he he's trying to shave in the shower while, when she barges in. And the cat immediately senses there's something up and starts freaking the hell out. Well, yeah, he's just standing around fully nude. I don't know. <laughs> Her incredibly boring husband doesn't seem the type. Yeah. And so Kira is silent for a bit before turning around and just saying, you know, my bad. I'm I'm sorry I did that. I just was not thinking and I closed the, the window by accident. And I, I won't do it again. And this also makes Shinobu a little, like, suspicious because... <laughs> Her husband doesn't do that. <laughs> he doesn't apologize or take responsibility for his mistakes, speak politely. <laughs> and also, her husband is doing something he's never done before, and that is shaving with an actual razor instead of using an electric razor. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kira only wants, like, the best. He's totally going to go for the, the straight razor for a clean shave. I'm surprised he doesn't have, like, a Sweeney Todd ass, like, straight razor. Oh, God, yeah. I guess he left it at home, uh, that this was yeah, all, all he could find. 
but all of our hygiene is interrupted by a knock at the door. The landlord's here, and he wants his goddamn rent money. Uh, apparently, they're two months behind here in, in uh, Shinobu's place. Both of them are coming down the stairs as a landlord who just kind of like kicked down the door. I mean, he's got the keys. He owns the place. That's true. He, he can just walk in. Fuck landlords. Yeah, they're both walking down the stairs and Shinobu tells Kira, like, hey, just, you know, go to the safe, get the money. And Kira's immediately like, fuck, I don't know where the hell the safe is, <laughs> what the combination is. Ah, shit. And so he just continues to walk down the stairs and, and stare down this landlord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As he's talking to him, he's manifesting Killer Queen behind the landlord to just barely flick the the strap or the buckle mm-hmm. on this messenger bag the landlord has. Just lightly pop off the lock. The tiniest, tiniest, tiniest bomb of all time in order to yeah. pickpocket the landlord and be like, oh, oh, when I said I, did, I was light on cash, I meant I only had half a million yen on me. <laughs> yeah. And so with the money he just pulled out of the bag, he just hands it back to the landlord and pays for like the next four or five months of rent or something like that. Like, and the landlord's going to get home and notice he has less money than he left the house with, right? Like, this (laughs) is not a long-term solution. Well, you just do the same thing every time. (laughs) And it just just, saves it off for a couple more weeks. So Shinobu sees all this happen. She immediately thinks like, okay, I know you do not have that much money. We are kind of poor. You must have pickpocketed that dude somehow. And just gave him back his own damn money. And you know what? I'm fucking horny for it. <laughs> yeah, she is like, at first she's like sweating and like breathing heavy. And you think she's scared, but it's like a type of scare that turns her on. <laughs> like, whoa, my husband is being assertive. If you're looking to reignite the flame in your relationship, maybe have your partner killed and replaced by a psychopath. <laughs> And so, yeah, we, this this episode kind of ends on on this cliffhanger here of Shinobu starting to fall for her husband, quote, as, you know, like I'm falling in love with him for the first time as Kira's like does a really slow, super menacing turn towards her and is looking super evil while doing it. And somewhere around here, Hayato is just puking. It, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to episode 26. Junkin boy is coming. You can't stop him. He's coming. Here he comes. I feel like anytime you get an episode in part four with a name like this, there's a pretty good chance it's kind of a goofy episode. <laughs> you think? Invisible yeah. baby? <laughs> Invisible baby. Uh, so, so Pappy Kira is still Spider-Manning around through through the streets of Morio, and we're we're learning a little bit more about the the order of events as he talks to himself. So basically, Enya gave her arrow away to him, said to shoot whoever the fuck he wants, and he was like, "Yes, cool, I will do that." <laughs> Why, mm-hmm. though? <laughs> was she just so busy doing, like, managing Dio's household? Like, she was hoping he would find some good killers to, to go after Jotaro yeah. and Joseph and all them? That's kind of what I, w- I, what I was thinking, is maybe he was hired to be one of the, the agents of Dio that skewer people with the arrow to get more, more recruits mm-hmm. for him or something like that. That would make sense. All through Stardust Crusaders, I got the sense, maybe because I didn't know there was another option, but I got mm-hmm. the sense that all these stand users were born stand users or like developed them independently. Yeah, some of them definitely 
have because at least some of them have implied or you know stated backstories going back you know years right exactly and none of those backstories mentioned some bald dude stabbing them <laughs> yeah it's not the cleanest retcon but it's also one that doesn't really bother me too much yeah i mean it's just i just pointed out because i think it's silly i don't think it ruins anything it's just uh, it's yeah, just silly yeah. if there were a second draft of jojo and you wrote that stuff in from the get-go that would be a that would be a fun like link between everything. Oh, just imagine a scene where one of Dio's like really uh, uh, committed devotees, someone who is mm-hmm. like all about the Dio life, talked about like their blood initiation and that all of them had <laughs> to be pierced, and then he felt a new strength welling up within himself. You know? Yeah, just, yeah. Just really that would be cool. Frame it that way through the the lens of a fanatic that uh, uh, believes in the power of Dio and does not realize there is power in the arrow. Just thinks of the the arrow as a a symbol or a ritual and not like the magic artifact Ah, that did it. Man, that'd be cool. Yeah, right? Let's write a JoJo fan fiction. All right. But but anyway, that that's Pappy Kira talking to himself, flying around, and he's like, hey, Arrow, who do you want me to shoot this time? And the Arrow is kind of a dousing rod as well, because mm-hmm. it just wiggles and waggles until it points at this 11-year-old kid dressed up for a gladiator movie, <laughs> cl- climbing up on a lamppost to pick fruit from, from a, a tree on the opposite side of a wall. I despise this child. He is so hideous. <laughs> The outfit he's wearing, yeah, it makes him look like a gladiator, but it's also kind of similar to, like, the weird shirt that Polnareff would wear, where it would only go up to his pecs, and it had one shoulder, one strap drawn over the shoulder that buttons onto it to keep it held up. But instead of a cotton poly blend, it looks like it's made (laughs) of, like, thick leather straps. Yeah, and this kid just has, like, swollen lips, and he's wearing gladiator sandals. Ooh, I don't like him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, yep, time to stab this kid. Yeah. Uh, he's very easy to convince, actually, it uh, turns out. And then the OP comes. I think I think this is the last time we're going to see this OP. Yes. I believe this is the last time we will hear the second opening with the, the song Chance. So, uh, say we'll say goodbye our, to our Chance, third. everybody. Uh, it, it, was, it was nice. Mm. From Rohan till now. And speaking of <laughs> Rohan, he's here. He's here, just kind of taking pictures of people. Yeah, he, he is at the, tr- the Morio train station. And there he finds Joseph and the invisible baby, who still has hey. not been, been found a home. Like, no, <laughs> this baby's parents are dead. You should look in the obituaries. Can't we, like, do some DNA testing in the baby or something? Like, is there some way to track the parents down that way? Like, But Rohan is at the train station, not just to get, like, reference photos for his books, as you would expect. But no, he's being proactive. He's helping. He's yeah. taken it upon himself to make a spotting guide of every commuter that ha- matches the vague physical description, you know, uh, height and build that they have to f- try to find new Kira's face. And yeah. unbeknownst to anyone, he has it. Kira's new face is in this book. Yes. Yes, it is. That's pretty fun that they already got it. Yeah. And it's it's not just the the build that they're looking for, but also... Kira has a lot of peculiar habits, mm-hmm. and he's trying to survey this area frequently in hopes that, hey, maybe he'll spot somebody who eventually slips up and shows signs of a, a 
a tick or something that that Kira has demonstrated before. And also, uh, you know, they, they know that like, okay, if this guy, Kira is now disguised as has a family, there's only going to be so much time that can pass before the family starts to get suspicious too. So they want to keep a lookout for that as well. Maybe suspicious means they get killed. Maybe suspicious means they're kind of into it. You know, you don't know what kind of family you wound <laughs> up in. But uh, the two of them are interrupted by Jonkin Boy, who demands Jonkin. He wants to play rock, paper, scissors, but that's too many syllables, so they have turned it into Rochambeau. <laughs> I mean, internationally, there are so many names for this same game. So, yep. you know, you, you take it your works. pick. Uh, and the kid is just like, hey, Rohan, Mr. Rochambeau. And both him and old man Joseph are just like, no. And they just walk <laughs> they away. They just leave. They just they fucking just leave. leave. <laughs> they don't give this kid more than a second of their time so so the kid chases he follows after rohan he's like no seriously come on st- stick your hand out and make a gesture at me and we'll see who's the best at gesturing yeah and as this kid is doing this rohan notices that this kid has a big gross hole in his left cheek mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a perfect hole going all the way through you can see air and wind getting sucked through it it's gross there's a shot where you can see his tongue through it and they keep Uh, doing that there's it's in the episode two or three times it's gross this is part of one of the main reasons why i hate jonkin boy (laughs) i hate the disgusting hole on his face also in this scene though like when when it is like a profile two shot you know of rohan looking down from from the right and jonkin boy looking up at rohan from the left midway between them but off in the distance is a billboard for johnny's restaurant oh (laughs) the restaurant that was so important to the episode where echoes first uh, hatched and was revealed right right i forgot about that yeah yeah that's fun so Rohan thinks to himself, this kid is being weirdly tenacious. Is he a stand user? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, everyone gets it. Everyone knows that anyone is being just a little too much of anything. Stand user. If Go you are noticeable, you are a stand user. Yeah. He came out in his fruit stealing slash stand user becoming outfit today. <laughs> yeah. Rohan immediately goes like, okay, let's pop out heaven's door. Make this kid pass out. Make his Facebook open up. Jonkin Boy's actual name is uh, Ken Obayashi, I believe. Ken, or, or Ken Oyanagi, and he is 11 years old. He doesn't know anything about stands. The hole in his face is just from a wound from falling down from a telephone pole, and he likes playing rock, paper, scissors, and he's go- he always goes scissors first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rohan is the only one in the whole group, though, that would use his stand to just to make an annoying kid go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is the episode where I start to come around on Rohan, honestly. Yeah. So yes, with, with that knowledge of of his what his first play always is, once the kid wakes up from uh, having his uh, body opened up into pages, uh, uh, Rohan wins a quick round. Is like, okay, go away, kid. You bother me. Yeah, and he just hops in a cab and drives off. <laughs> As Jonkin Boy just starts crying. Yeah, he takes losing real hard. He promised he wouldn't. He promised he wouldn't be a sore loser, but he fucking is. Mm-hmm. And so Rohan is uh, in a different part of Morio now. He's sketching the cafe that everyone in the main cast loves to visit so much. No, this is the second cafe. Uh, this is the oh, fancier the cafe. cafe. 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> like the, the camera starts on this sketch and then, you know, his sketching board falls away and reveals uh, the actual building. And it's absolutely perfect one to one. Like it, it's clearly <laughs> the same drawing uh, uh, used to two purposes in the animation. But it just like goes to show how incredible and flawless an artist Rohan is. <laughs> Yeah, and he drew it super fast, and after he's done sketching this masterpiece, he's just like, well, I guess I'm done for the day, and he goes to this, he goes up to the cafe to take a seat and, and order something. And, and at the uh, table at next table. to him, it's uh, Josuke, Okiyasu, and Yukiko, an yeah. interesting trio to be hanging out together. Yeah, Isn't there yeah. somebody missing? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe they're waiting for, for Koichi. I don't know. You know, anytime he spends too much time with Yukiko, he, he gets some some uh, tummy trouble. So uh, <laughs> yeah. he'll be out in a few minutes. Uh, but Josuke and Okiyasu, like, invite Rohan to sit at their table. And Yukiko is trying to kill Rohan with her eyes. <laughs> she looks super pissed, yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember the exact line. I didn't write it down. But basically, Rohan thinks to himself, oh, great, it's these three. The self-absorbed jerk-off and, uh, like, the idiot and the bitch or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can see why Yukiko is glaring at him like that. Yeah, fair, cool, good. (laughs) Rohan hates all of these people. Mm -hmm. And then when he actually speaks to them, he's just like, oh, no, thanks. I'm going to go sit over here instead. (laughs) So as he's about to step into the seat that he was aiming for to begin with, Ken the Jonkin boy is already sitting in it. Yep, he's already gulping down like a glass of orange juice or something, which then immediately rushes out of the hole in his face. Like old so, faithful. Uh, he's quick on the draw, though, and so he just puts his hand up and over his hole, his face hole, and just pushes all the orange juice back into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and so Rohan, of course, uh, uh, is upset. This is very rude behavior. He wants his seat back. You stole my seat. Get the fuck out of here. And the kid's like... I- I didn't steal shit. This is your seat. I don't see your name on it. Uh, but hey, guess what? I'll rock, paper, scissors you for it. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone is giving commentary in the rock, paper, scissors in the background and saying just like, Rohan, you're supposed to be the adult here. And well, because the kid just the starts here. weeping and, and wailing. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he becomes a, a, a crying mess. And all of the teens are like, come on. Don't be mean to children, you asshole. <laughs> and Rohan does not give a shit. He just continues to gloat and gloat that he beat this kid at rock, paper, scissors again and won his seat. This fucking daffy duck ass kid, though, he makes problems for the <laughs> fun of being an asshole. And so now Rohan's at a bookstore and he's found a obscure like plant compendium book that he can use for reference very excited to buy it and as he's about to grab the only copy it probably includes those weird plants that nobody knows what they are on uh the Aftul's dad island <laughs> oh yeah uh and as he's about to grab the only copy well there's jonkin boy again mm-hmm. he has grabbed the book hey you got a rock paper scissors me for it rochambeau so rohan says yeah i'll give you a rock and punches him right in the face <laughs> <laughs> again the only one who would consider this Rohan is a 20-year-old who's ready to throw down in bookstores with children. <laughs> That's the type of guy this dude Just is. lays him flat out. Yeah, like... Rohan's a pretty noodly guy, but, like, this kid is 11. He's a fucking 11. <laughs> He's twice as old as Shigechi. Fuck you. He, he punched him, and that was technically rock, and as Jonkin Boy was getting, you know, laid out, 
he put his hand out and it was paper. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he finally won. And so the disgusting hole in his face just starts sucking up all the air and it starts to pull Heaven's Door out of Rohan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, out pops a stand of his own. It is a robot. It is. <laughs> My first thought is, oh, yeah, it's it's that, that walking armor guy from Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Alphonse. Yeah. It kind of looks like that a little bit. But uh, apparently uh, th- this stand was directly inspired by uh, Tetsujin 28, uh, localized as Gigantor uh, in, in yeah, the he does American market. Yeah, he Gigantor. Yeah. Yeah. And this stand's name is Boys to Men. Boy to Man. Excuse me, Boy to Man. <laughs> boy to Man, which I think in the dub was Boy Man Man. Yeah. It's very, they say it once <laughs> and boy, it's man, man. awful. It's, it's like the very last line of the episode. Boy, man, man. After this bizarre reaction, right, to, to uh, losing the first hand out of their three now, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Rohan's like, okay, heaven's door, come on out here. Let, let's see what the fuck is going on. And uh, uh, learns some new things. Uh, f- well, first he writes in that Ken here is incapable of attacking Ro- uh, Kishibe Rohan. Just get mm-hmm. that right the fuck out of the way. Yep. But he also learns that in uh, uh, Jonkin Boy's uh, philosophy of life, uh, he, he <laughs> believes that Jonkin is essentially a battle of wills and that his true desire is to prove he can outwill this famed manga pro- uh, prodigy. Someone who has achieved so much clearly by having a strong will of his own, if I can out rock, paper, scissors him, then I can do anything. (laughs) I never thought a character would be written with such a deep philosophy behind rock, paper, scissors, but here we are. I mean, it's a game that carries seven fucking episodes of Kaiji Ultimate Survivor. It certainly fucking does. I just started watching Kaiji a little bit ago on and off. You're going to be watching him play Rock, Paper, Scissors for a while. The Rock, Paper, Scissors thing is the very first game. Yeah, I'm in the middle of that right now. Yeah. The the, the galaxy-brained ways they they work around, like Rock, Paper, Scissors, but with an ammo count. Mm -hmm. I'm not much farther than you. I'm halfway through that season, so I'm on the second game. Okay. God, I forgot that Rock, Paper, Scissors thing takes so long. I watched like the first half of it like a decade ago. In in uh, this episode of JoJo's, it's very much about the game of Rock, Paper, Scissors. In Kaiji, they get so much out of it because it's a game. It's about playing every angle of the game they've built around Rock, Paper, Scissors. Yeah, yeah. It, there, there's a lot more going on than just Rock, Paper, Scissors. Like that. That's the smallest part of the game, really. But Rohan, you know, writes in in the Facebook that he can't be attacked. And he learns a little bit about the abilities of Boy to Man. Yes. Uh, Boy to Man, obviously named after Boys to Men. Uh, By some metrics, the most successful boy band of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that winning the these uh, uh, Rochambeau uh, uh, sets lets him steal the abilities of his opponent. Best of five, winning three out of the five will let him entirely steal Heaven's Door from Rohan forever. Yep. And also, it comes in increments. So having won one out of three uh, uh, has stolen just enough of Heaven's Door that he can undo that note that got written in his head. Mm-hmm. And so now he can attack uh, uh, Rohan if he wants, <laughs> as well as prevent a Rohan from opening him up and reading him anymore. 
Yeah, and like so the 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 third of of Heaven's Door that's been taken is like the entire right arm of of his stand. Rohan just goes like, "Okay, well, I'm just going to punch this child again." <laughs> and he swings with his right arm and as he does that, his right arm turns right back around and punches himself in the face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so now things are serious. Now he, he cannot uh, be flippant with this. And that is the, the twist that brings us to the Heaven's Door title card and a freeze on like a results screen. We have a very fancy tournament frame showing Rohan's yeah. two wins and then uh, uh, Ken's one win following with two rounds yet to be decided. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's time for Rohan to get serious. He's going to get the that chunk of his stand back. Quote, since I know you're a stand user, I'll show you no mercy. Dude, you clocked him five minutes ago in public. <laughs> was, was that mercy? Yeah. Is that what that was? Rohan is like a couple bad life events in his childhood away from being another serial killer, <laughs> I think. Like, if his life had been, been a little different. Yeah, it's a good thing he's not leading the Kira investigation. He'd be like, I don't see what's so wrong with this guy. What? what? Uh, mm. the, maybe the world has too many young women with both of their hands. You ever think of that? <laughs> and either way, this will be incredible to draw. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hate long fingernails, too. We're kindred spirits. Yeah. I'm just going to shadow this guy while he does a serial killing. It'll be incredible inspiration. So yeah, it's it's time to get serious about the, the Rochambeau yet. Rohan's ready to throw down immediately. And Ken here is just like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to think a little bit before I, we, we play another match. Because uh, we're, we got to do the, the usual rock, paper, scissors, head games. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, I just threw papers. So obviously I must throw one of the other two next time. But that's what you think I would throw. So I'm actually going to throw, you know, that type of shit. This is the one part where it gets a little bit kaiji. Yes. Yeah. We're, yeah. So after that monologue on reasoning, Ken does win a- again, playing paper against Rohan's rock and steals Heaven's Door's legs. Yep. Now that the, the Rochambeau's gotten serious, they're not just throwing their hands out. Oh, no. They're like, Don't be pedestrian. When it's time to go, you know, one, two, you know, one, two, three, shoot or whatever, they they dash towards each other and or leap about 35 feet into the air and do a flip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's great. In in the the rounds to come, even after this one, because, I mean, they're now tied two to two. The, the next win is for all the marbles. But mm-hmm. they, they hold both of their hands behind them to, like, prepare before bringing them out. And <laughs> it's the exact stance of charging up like a key blast in Dragon Ball. Like, it, it is exactly yeah. what they're going it's, for. Yeah, it's that or Hadouken. Yeah. And also now that... Uh, two-thirds of Rohan's stand has been taken, in, you know, with the legs. Like, Rohan is having difficulty standing up. Like, he's falling to his knees. Mm-hmm, he's having mm-hmm. to prop himself up on trees. Meanwhile, Pappy Kira is just been perched up on a lamppost and has been watching the whole thing, and he's loving this shit. He's so happy. He loves it. This dude loves it. He's only gotten one recruit so far, and he's fucking a guy up already. He doesn't say anything. You just see him there, and he's got the biggest smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, they, they leap into the air. Now it is Rohan's turn to, to run through his reasoning and try a bluff, but it does not work. They, they draw on paper. 
Yep. Then now that Rohan's legs are are all wobbly because you know he's had his Stan's legs attacked, he's moving differently, and so uh, Ken gets in his own head thinking. Well, if he's moving differently, he must be throwing something he's never thrown before. He's never thrown scissors. I'll throw rock. Meanwhile, Rohan's strategy is to keep throwing rock after it would be stupid to, which means <laughs> it would be smart to <laughs> Yeah. in the rock, paper, scissors meta. And so they draw on rock as well. Yeah. And yeah, so they, they just keep drawing. And then uh, Kira's dad notices oh shit, two other guys are coming and it's Josuke and old man Joseph with the invisible baby and they're just on a walk somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now Kira thinks that he is in a fight not against Ken, but against his own luck. And Ken is like, yeah, that sounds about right. Let's see how your luck goes. I'm going to wave at these guys you know. And if they come this way and rescue you, well, maybe it's your lucky day. But if they walk away, you are fucked. You are a, you are a fucking dead man. Yeah. So, you know, Ken waves and they both see both Josuke and Joseph with like, oh, is that is that Rohan over there? And so Josuke waves is like, hey. And then he mumbles to old man Joseph like, I fucking hate this dude. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just smile and wave and then just walk away. Let's just leave. And so they leave. And you think Joseph has an inkling that this kid is dangerous, that he's some sort of stand user. Like, there's there's a, a sound effect sting and a, an extreme close-up on his eyes, and he's like, that kid must be one of his adoring fans. Goodbye! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, Rohan takes this as, you know, a sign that Lady Luck is frowning upon him today, but when really it's just because he's an asshole and nobody wants to spend time with him. Yeah, he's just a jerk. He thinks Koichi's his friend, but Koichi just doesn't know how to say no to people. Yeah. He almost said yes to Pappy Kira. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Ken is so ecstatic that luck is on his side. He picks up a rock and throws it out a window above him, like a story two above him. And he's just like, my, luck is so on my side today that I'm not even afraid of all this glass raining down on me. And none of it hits him. Mm-hmm. It, it forms like a perfect outline around him in fact rohan is the one that gets cut a shard of glass embeds itself in rohan's hand and, and yeah. leaves jonkin boy entirely unscathed rohan holds his his palm out straight at ken and he starts talking about how uh you know okay ken so you want to surpass me but it, the defeating people isn't the hard part the hard part is uh, surpassing your own limits and so Rohan declares he is going to win this match by making his own luck which most people would call cheating that's what we call <laughs> cheating Rohan's a different kind of dude <laughs> and and so they leap uh, into the stratosphere and do a flip and they're getting ready to they throw down again and Rohan is still keeping his palm out like, he's just been making paper the whole time. He's already thrown. Mm-hmm. And so Ken throws out scissors, like, aha, I win. And then all of a sudden, his two outstretched fingers just start curling up, and his hand is forced into uh, rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he Ken loses. Uh, all the, the, the two-thirds of Heaven's Door he absorbed get shoot out of his mouth hole and his face hole and reattach back to the rest of Heaven's Door. Rohan did, in fact, cheat. Yes, in an ingenious way. See, uh, uh, (laughs) if Joseph is around, well, the invisible baby isn't too far behind. And so Mm -hmm. Rohan used the the 
one remaining third of Heaven's Door under his power to open up that baby and write a little note in the Invisible Baby to turn invisible and force Ken's hand into a fist. Yeah, so this baby... This invisible baby crawled up onto Ken's arm, and he did not notice. Yeah, yeah. He's <sighs> this eleven-year-old just hoisted an extra, like what, fourteen pounds or so. Like babies grow yeah. fast. Uh, uh, yeah. As he leaps forty-five feet in the air, glowing, and did not <laughs> notice the the forceful, powerful baby hands shoving his fingers into a fist. <laughs> The invisible baby. Oh, the invisible baby is a hero. The invisible uh, baby just saved Heaven's Door, who I'm sure will be uh, instrumental in defeating Kira. Yeah. Yeah. As Rohan explains all this, Ken goes like, hey, that's bullshit. You fucking cheated. I'm going to take this baby and fuck it up unless you do, you do Rochambeau with me even more so I can, you know, get your stand back. And that is his response specifically to, to Rohan's threat of like, well... I won, and now here's how I'm going to to solve this problem forever. I'm going to open up your brain and make it impossible for you to ever play rock, paper, scissors again. Yeah, yeah. So they they throw down again, and Rohan easily beats three in a row. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In a single vertical leap, they play three times (laughs) before hitting the ground. Yeah. Also, just again, there's another great uh, shot of Pappy Kira smiling ear to ear, specifically when Ken threatens the life of a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he loves that. Yeah, this is the kind of guy he should be giving stands to. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Ken, now utterly defeated, losing Rochambeau three times in a row, he just goes like, uh, does not want his his mind to be altered mm-hmm. and and you know have have his stand removed from him forever essentially or have the inability to play rock paper scissors he would rather and- die than lose his autonomy so what does he do he leaps as far as he can horizontally <laughs> into the oncoming path of a semi truck <laughs> uh, about to crush him into a, a thin paste and rohan's reaction to this is to just let out a little chuckle mm-hmm. like that's such a stupid thing but no he he is impressed by the the drama of this rohan loves a melodramatic gesture he loves them so much that he decides to do his own and just walk out in front of the oncoming truck as well you know the truck appears it's about to hit them both but the an updraft kicks up and picks up the Polaroid that Kira's father is in and he slaps up against the windshield of 18 wheeler here and it freaks the driver out who can no longer see. And so he swerves out of the way, just narrowly avoiding both (laughs) Rohan and Ken. Cause luck is smiling down on Rohan again after he forced it uh, uh, to favor him. The day is saved. He allows uh, uh, Jonkin Boy to continue to be Jonkin Boy rather than uh, overwriting his brain to make his stand completely inert and useless for, for all time. On the understanding that like, hey, 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 kid, don't fuck with people. Do, just, <laughs> just be good. Yeah, don't, don't use your stand for evil. So with that, Josuke and old man Joseph come rushing back on like, have you seen the invisible baby? Nobody has. Invisible. It's invisible, you idiot. The baby's gone, and then Rohan's like, 
oh shit, the baby's invisible again. And so he tries to play it coy. Like, Yeah, he just pretends that he did not lose a baby. He's like, oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll help you look for this baby. Invisible baby, you say, never heard of it. That's, wow, fucking crazy shit. Okay, let's find this baby, you and me together. And so Ken, also suddenly being a nicer boy, also comes in to help find the invisible baby. And so all these guys are just on their hands and knees, just like, randomly touching the concrete hoping they feel a baby by accident <laughs> and that's the end of the episode yeah yeah uh narrator comes in to to declare that ken is not retired uh boy man man is is still <laughs> active it's a fucking nonsense thing like boy two man is yeah we're that that's the story this uh impetuous selfish kid is meeting adversity and and uh coming out all the better for it i get you but boy man man is nothing it's nothing <laughs> boy man man's a very bad name there's got to be something else that would have been better <laughs> there's got to be something so that that is the end of episode 26 however it shouldn't have been a crime was committed in the adaptation of this arc from the manga oh really in the uh, uh manga anime differences quote removed a conversation between Rohan and Joseph, where Joseph, an avid comic book collector, asks, asks Rohan if there are English translations of his comics, as Joseph is not very fluent in reading Japanese. And Rohan replies in the negative, stating that Americans must either lack taste or can't understand the subtleties of his work. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh, God, I would have loved oh, that. Oh, my God. It's that scene in the anime. Like, okay. I, I said before recently, semi-recently, that I think Koichi could have been a JoJo, except it's required for a parts JoJo to be outwardly cool to in yeah. in some degree, and that ain't Koichi, so Koichi's a sidekick. I think mm -hmm. Rohan is exactly the same way, except being a JoJo requires having some inner kindness. Yes, and yes. It's absolutely absent in Rohan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... He can't even conceive of the fact that, like, well, they haven't got around to it. Uh, the publisher doesn't think there's much of a market. They may or may not be wrong. You know, I'm, I'm just going to keep at it, and eventually an English translation will come. He's like, no, the American pig dogs are filthy Philistines. <laughs> oh, man, I... Rohan is a really enjoyable character, I find, because he's just on the cusp of being too unlikable, <laughs> uh -huh, but uh -huh. he never quite crosses that line, and so instead, he's just really enjoyable whenever he's on screen, especially because the show knows he's a dick. Every other character fucking hates his guts. That's the like, thing. They, That's the thing. Like, even in this episode, there's, like, two different instances of, like, well, one... Joseph or Josuke tries to be nice to Rohan and Rohan's a dick to him mm -hmm. and then later on it's just like oh hey it's Rohan ignore him he sucks even like, even uh Joseph who seems to be so desperate for a friend in this strange place where mm -hmm. uh uh the only people that are close to him are very very strained and complicated family relationships is <laughs> like yeah. mm, no I'm not gonna hang out with you even I am gonna <laughs> take a pass yeah, yeah. It's fun to every once in a while get a Rohan episode just to, to see those things play out. But yeah, that brings us to the end of the second 
third of part four. Mm-hmm. The, the middle bits. We got a lot of really good stuff. Uh, I would call it act two, but we've already seen act three. So that would be confusing. Mm-hmm. So next week, uh, we'll be doing another recap episode where we got a, a very fun special guest who mm-hmm. will be with us. Mm-hmm. Very much really looking forward for to, to recording that and then releasing it to everyone. Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. And after we do that, we'll be back with, I guess, the next three episodes. I'm an alien <laughs> and Highway Go-Go parts one and two. <laughs> Voidberger is in the room with me and she, when I said I'm an alien, she put her hand to her heart. <laughs> you think that's named for the police song Englishman in New York? Hmm. Do you want me to sing it? Because I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to. Uh, maybe later. But yes, next week, we're going to have a guest. I love those episodes. I was thinking earlier today, what an interesting experience it would be to just listen to those. Because those are some of my absolute favorite ones. But like, mm-hmm. you would not understand what the fuck we're talking about with all <laughs> without the actual yes. episode breakdowns in between. Yeah, totally. I guess unless you were also a JoJo viewer slash watcher, then then you'd probably get it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as other things, I have some more guest spots to uh, uh, promote. A while ago, you heard me talk about Mechanista in G from the Scanline Media uh, uh, mm. Network. Uh, I was back on a two-part episode, at least two parts. Uh, we, we haven't recorded the second yet at, at the moment I'm saying these words. Uh, mm. On the Aura Battlers, uh, uh, the the mechs from the Aura Battler Dunbine franchise and all of the uh, mechanical design and, and OVA sequels and other sorts of related works. Nice. If you like bug bots, it's your show. I, I was at a store recently like a retro game store and they have just started selling model kits as well and there were a lot of dunbine stuff there really yes yes there were there was like at least a dozen different kits there oh i want them i want them so bad (laughs) yeah next time i'm there i'll take pictures oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) yes see you later everybody to be continued This guy's website and his many, many uh, things he has for sale on Etsy or eBay or both. Look at this shit. Yes. What even is has Skyhand? No one knows. Transform a pendant into a bracelet. Original sound healing instruments. Whoa. What is a geared galctifier? No one knows. (laughs) It upgrades all your gear, though, so I need to have it. Add timeless magical sigils in silver and gold to your cell phone. Okay, this is why I thought I might find him by searching Magic Spoon. (laughs) (laughs) The one utensil to end overeating once and for all, because you can't put that shit in your mouth. Oh, my God. Quicker metabolism. (laughs) Begin losing interest in unhealthy foods. This is the best spoon ever. (laughs) It activates your soul. <laughs> Every single thing here looks like it was made out of Yugi's Millennium Puzzle. <laughs> this kicks ass. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, boy. Oh, man. The Aurora, the Aurora Borealis Quartz Crystal Tuning Fork. Oh, yeah.
meticulously <laughs> hand-designed on all sides. A computer didn't oh. touch this even on the bottom. Oh, man. There's little video spin-arounds of this thing. What is this? <laughs> the futuristic ancient box that you wear at your belt. <laughs> it's futuristic. It's ancient. It's on your belt. <laughs> Uh, have you found the, have you seen the angel's trident? No, I'm still stuck on this thing you put in your belt. A form made of images channeled from the future. The angel's trident is three tuning forks put together that looks like (laughs) a a multi-screwdriver you would get from, like, a a catalog for Father's Day when you're nine. Ooh, sophisticated Icelandic staves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow, look at that trident. (laughs) It's just three tuning forks glued together around the leg phaser holster. Ooh. See you, space cowboy. (laughs) It looks like, yeah, it's a big holster that's mostly leather with what appears to be a random circuit board glued to one side of it and some, like, Egyptian golden crusties on it. And then it has, like, like volume bars from a sound mixer on it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can go to the club. Yeah. It lets you read the entire Egyptian tarot, apparently, or something. So they had these in Egypt? I I guess so. (laughs) With one of several divinatory functions of the solar module. Ooh, it's got the Elder Futhark runes. Oh, you gotta have the Elder Futhark runes. You gotta (laughs) have the Elder Futhark runes. Unusual pyramidal form. (laughs) Intricately etched in the old rune songs. Select metal and plating of your choice. How unusual can a pyramidal form be? Like, it's a triangle, right? It's got There's one shape it can be. Pyramidal. (laughs) I just love the the vague Egyptian elements combined with the color palette of a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper. Okay, I keep reading more text about what the solar shoulder does. It's got thousands of ancient sigils and can charge two USB devices at once. It also automatically backs up exact moments of time. Also, 24-7 audio video surveillance motion activated or always on? This does everything. (laughs) Yeah, imagine bringing one of these things to Geek Squad. Yeah, my ancient runes aren't working anymore. (laughs) I tried turning it on and off again. It doesn't do anything. I think all the energies escaped from the Moldavite. 